0: songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website.
1: Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast, a place for Kingdom-minded songwriters to grow in their craft and community.
0: We are live. We are on screen with the one, the only Sharon Bird. Welcome to the Writing wow. Worship Podcast.
2: Yeah, wow. we're so happy to have you, Sharon. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> the one and only.
0: All the way from, what, Middle mm. Middle Jersey.
2: South Jersey. South Jersey. We have to be very specific about this because there's three parts of New Jersey and I'm from South or I live in South Jersey. Okay.
0: (laughs) Tell the listener who's from the Midwest or the West Coast that might not have a good Jersey experience because you and I have Mm. a New Jersey connection. I rely on you. I look to you when I'm being too loud. I'm being too Italian. I'm being whatever <laughs> smoothly, I am.
3: too loud mm. or clapping too loud. Just whatever. Oh. I'm just
0: very loud. So <laughs> tell the people, the good people, about New Jersey. Oh, what is right. it? Yeah, tell, okay. tell us all about New Jersey.
2: Uh, So unfortunately, there was a show back in the day that kind of ruined Jersey's reputation, but it is is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but there you go. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful state. It really is. It is the garden state for a reason. There's lots of farmland and farms and fresh produce everywhere. So, but there are three important distinctions between North Jersey Okay. Central Jersey and South Jersey, mm-hmm. so we basically say that North Jersey is a suburb of New York mm-hmm. uh, because <laughs> most true. people live so there you, and commute.
0: that's where I'm from. That's
2: where you grew up and then Central Jersey is kind of like no man's land. It's like Princeton area. It's really beautiful. And then we say that South Jersey, a lot of it is a suburb of Philadelphia. And then there's the South, South Jersey, which is like the shore. Right. So we say, going down the shore. We don't say, hey, I'm going to go to the beach. We say, hey, do you want to go down the shore? Yeah. Why? I don't know, actually, because I'm actually a transplant. <laughs> so where I'm from, Florida, we say we're going to the beach. But I learned very quickly that we don't say that here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how long have you been from Jersey? Have you been living in Jersey?
2: I've been living here for... 14 years 14 years crazy so when you were yeah. 10 you moved <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. what I said okay yeah that was very kind no when I graduated from college I I started working at a church up here so I was 21 mm-hmm. uh, I was really young and then yeah I just kind of found my community found my people and stayed <laughs> Here we are 14 years later you
0: went to college where in in Florida?
2: In Florida, yeah. In Central Florida. Shout out to SEU, Southeastern University in Lakeland. Yes, I love I, I loved my four years there. It was amazing. Yes, some of my dearest friends I met there in college. So yeah, it was awesome. That's
0: so cool. So you moved to Jersey because you heard about a job relate connected to the church, or was was the denomination similar or how did you get that?
2: Yeah. So Southeastern is a denomination of the Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of connections to churches. And so, yeah, I had um, interviewed in the summer of my senior year and then came up in wow. the fall.
0: And you studied music or worship leading or what?
2: Uh, yes and no. I My major was uh, theology. So, and then I had a concentration in, they called it ministry arts. I don't think the degree exists as it did when I was there, but my bulk of what I did was called practical theology and then a concentration in ministry arts. So everything from taking sound classes and a little bit of theater, a little bit of music theory. (laughs) Thank God, (laughs) a little bit of music theory. (laughs) I'm not that smart. So oral theory, aced it. Great. Everything else I was struggling. So, but it was fun. It was fun to get a variety of just different things. I took an acting class. It was part of my concentration. So, it was super fun to be in that and get a taste of everything.
0: So, acting would be I could totally see you doing that.
2: Oh, I loved it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we were talking, by the way. I loved it so much. We were talking about doing some um skits at the conference. So, now that oh. we know Sign I'm
2: there. Oh, okay. I'm there. Okay.
0: So we have our I'm there. Write, yeah, our writing worship <laughs> conference. We're definitely planning on doing some co writing no no skits,
2: mm. like live skits. Live. live. I'm there. Say less. I love okay, it.
3: We got one. We recruited her today. <laughs> she's
0: up for it. I,
3: yes.
2: you know,
0: oh, yeah. My thing about Sharon, she's always up for it. She's up <laughs> for a good time, she's up oh, for yeah. a laugh.
2: Oh, for sure. I could definitely recruit. I think Steph Andrews would be up for that. Oh, She's, fun. She, yeah. Katie Rios, pretty sure she'd be. <laughs> We're just, yeah, I, I'm i just going to recruit. If you guys need yes. people.
3: Oh, we always need
0: people. Okay. We oh, always yeah. need people. We
3: assign you a co-writing no-no skit today. Yes. Yes. Let it be
2: known, there. with this, your people of your choice, whoever you this. want, <laughs> on this seventeenth day of May in the year of our Lord. Yes,
3: exactly. It's official.
0: Now something it's very
2: official, and it's so serious
3: that I'm wearing my bathrobe.
0: Today. Yes, let's talk yeah. about this. So. <laughs> Thankfully, this is a an audio-only podcast, and yeah. we're not recording video. But yeah, yeah. tell us about this wonderful well, look you've got going on here. You know,
3: here. I just didn't sleep that great last night. I didn't feel like getting <laughs> dressed yet. So
2: hey, what other reason do you need?
3: <laughs> I thought I'd pop in and see if this was an audio or a
2: video. So since it was audio, I stayed. There you go. I mean, it's better than me. I mean, I'm sitting here in my sumo suit. (laughs) And I I mean, mean, you you guys are playing it cool and everything. And, you know, this is just what I wear on the house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We didn't want to, yeah, we didn't want to, you know, kind of call you out on your sumo suit. But man, that thing is huge. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, for some reason, it's just really comfortable. To air. I think something about the air, you know, mm-hmm. in it. Yeah,
0: and, um, it's comforting. It's like
2: having a built-in pillow, like all around you.
0: <laughs> oh, my word. It's just kind of fun to roll around every once in a while, you know?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it just gets the circulation going, you know? Sometimes I work from home and oh you know, I just got to get up and roll around, just fall down the steps or something.
0: Yes, and you're totally protected. You can just bounce all around on those stairs.
2: Do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And there's no way to fact check anything that I'm saying. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) Right. Tell (laughs) us about... Go ahead. Did you want to say something else? I was
3: just going to say, if we're honest, we can only see a little bit of what everyone wears anyways on video. Exactly. That's true.
0: Yep. That's true. So...
3: Most people wear pajamas.
0: Right. I'm wearing pajama bottoms right now. I'm wearing my Star Wars... Pajama that's bottoms. The work,
2: that's the work from home. That's what we learned from quarantine, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yes. You know, business up top. And <laughs> right. doesn't yeah, matter that's what right. doesn't it's matter what
0: happens. Party down bottom. Yeah, exactly. Whatever whatever sweats. you want to wear. So you also have a mug that is pretty amazing. This is something I wish people could see.
2: This is the yeah. Oh, I forgot t- they can't see it. I'm just showing have. it like like as if everybody. I'm can gonna see
0: do it. a screenshot. Hold on.
3: Oh no. Okay. Wait. I'm in my pajamas.
2: Is it reverse?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I it. got it. I got it. I got it. Chrissy was not in the shot.
3: Okay.
2: Just <laughs> <laughs> my elbow.
0: Look at that thing.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> Tell us
0: about this this mug.
2: Well, I actually thrifted it.
0: <laughs> you did. You bought it for yourself. So this uh, was not a yes. gift.
2: No, this was a thrift store find that I could not pass up. It was like a dollar. And I was like, this is something that I need. (laughs) It's just, it's so like punny and just on the nose that I just love it so much. It's like, Dr. Anita, coffee break, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and like reference code, wake me up. (laughs) We have to, we'll have to like post this on like socials, but it's like, warning highly addictive patients may develop dependency to caffeine withdrawal symptoms like like just silly just stupid stuff like but that it but it looks like a huge pill bottle basically yeah yes we
3: should
0: it's like a prescription yeah. pill yeah. bottle yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. right right in
0: a in a mug it's appropriate for you because yeah. our community has nicknamed you doc
2: Right. It just was so... I I'm just embracing this new identity as a doc. So, you have
0: prescribed it for hey, yourself.
2: Can I just yes, admit yes. when
3: when everyone kept saying doc, I had no idea who they were talking about. For like <laughs> a
2: couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that like, you went a couple months just not knowing and you didn't, you didn't ask.
0: She just went with it. She's too, tired. I, she's too a, tired. She's in her robe. She doesn't a- a- care. And by the way,
2: what were we talking about? Nope, it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> all we know is Doc does skits.
2: Yeah, that's oh, all That's man. all you really need to know.
0: Doc's up for anything. So how'd
2: you get you the know, name? How'd I, you get right. the
0: name, Doc? Tell me.
2: So it's from Nick and Melissa. So they coined me Doc, and I didn't understand why at first, but then I realized that I think it was actually on my Zoom like my Zoom name was Mm Doolittle and that is my husband's last name. And I have... So it said Sharon Doolittle and I think when Melissa saw it, she's like, oh, like Dr. Doolittle. And then doc was created and it started with the morrows and it has now trickled throughout the writing worship community i'm glad (laughs) we can announce this today
3: so that i know there are other people that are having questions about it (laughs) it (laughs) so just to clarify for the entire community now i will say that nick and melissa like to give nicknames they do oh yeah They're, they're masters i just was thinking about even the fact his name is nick And he likes to give
2: nicknames.
0: It's perfect. It's so appropriate.
2: I think that's why his parents named him that. Oh my gosh! It was (laughs) prophetic. they they nicknamed it. It was prophetic. (laughs) I wonder if Nick's middle name is Name. (laughs) That's so stupid. (laughs) You can edit this out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, No, we keep it all. We
2: keep it. Well, we We show
0: up in robes, and we we keep it all. A
3: name. (laughs) He's been calling us. He's been calling me boss lady, and he's been calling you what? Boss man. Okay. So oh, that makes sense. He sent me like my email for one of the songs for the recording and it had all the like assignments for everyone vocally, vocal part. And I scanned through it and I'm like, oh, I thought I was singing BGVs on this. So I messaged him back. I'm like, hey, am I singing BGVs on this still? And he said, yeah, I said in there like part two. <laughs> Is boss your part. <laughs> and I went back through. I'm like, oh, it didn't have my name inside <laughs> Boss Lady. I didn't see it. That's so funny. But we nicknamed him the other
2: day.
0: You nicknamed him. Oh, I Tell the story him. about how so, Morrow got his nickname. I'll
2: wow. Tell you, I'll tell this you. This is an epic. We're day. talking
0: about our director of writing worship. We are. Way, and this Melissa, right. his wife. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We Listeners. are talking about some important people in our lives. Well, mm-hmm. we're having a meeting at the kitchen table, and he knocked over. It was like this, like, succession of things getting knocked over on the table. What was the first thing?
0: He was sitting across from us, (laughs) and I don't know what it was, but the main thing...
3: He knocked over a vase that had water and flour. Oh, no. We had a beautiful vase. I know that knocked over. Mm -hmm. And then I also know I had this, like, freshly squeezed from the juice bar... Juice bottle. Green juice. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh. And the
3: juice came... After the flowers, I right. know. Right, first
0: the flowers with the water. <laughs> water, the it juice. all came towards
2: me. Then the juice came towards I'm trying towards to me. guess what the nickname is based on your what story. What you uh-huh. Continue, continue. Yeah. I, and then
3: my whole know. outfit was covered in green juice, including my shoes. So, <laughs>
2: oh, so, no. so we
0: nicknamed him
2: <laughs> juice. 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 He's the Juice. I th- He's the I, Juice, yeah. I thought it was going to be something like... Destruction Destru- man, Destructo. or Destructo. something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Accident Chrome. Um,
2: Mr. Destructo.
0: Mr. Knockover. <laughs> Instead of Nick, he's, he's the knock, knockover.
2: Oh, Nick Knock.
0: Nick Knock. <laughs>
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) Nicknack, to your job. Wow, Wow. (laughs) I
3: actually really like Nicknack.
2: Nicknack, I feel so good about that. Like I am not good at nicknaming people, and I just I kind of feel really good about that. Well, here's the funny
3: thing: we get a text from Melissa, his wife after an event we just had, and um, she was basically <laughs> confessing <laughs> that she she was carrying on the tradition of the family while they were in the church, in the office of the administrator that was helping us with everything. She knocked her coffee over, and it came very close to spilling on her computer, but it didn't, but she let us know. Um, I mean... It runs in the family. It runs in the family. It
0: must run you know. in the family. Oh, wow. Well, we have a lot. You're going to be joining us for several episodes, Sharon. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We have so much more to talk about. I want to talk about your experience with writing worship. We didn't even get into your yeah. songwriter personality. We'll get into some of that. We'll talk about this latest retreat we went on. We have so much to yes. talk about. So It'll be much. great.
2: Wow, you yes. sound really It'll be
0: great. I just threw you a jersey, a little bit of a New York jersey thing. I
2: am only going to come on here and banter only if Chrissy stays in her bathrobe. That's, Absolutely. That's the one condition. That's the mm-hmm. one condition. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, I'm here. And you always,
0: we're only talking to you with... With your uh, sumo suit. So that's right.
2: Yes. Yes. All right. Deal.
0: All right. So we're gonna move into our conversation with. Well, actually, it was a an interview conversation that Nick Knock did with <laughs> <laughs> yes. had yes. Nick Nick Morrow hosted Jamie Jam Goshen. Oh, yeah. In the writing club. So uh, it was a, a great conversation. And Chrissy, you've you've known Jamie for quite a while. Yes. So do you want to say a few things about her just to kind of set this conversation yeah. up?
3: I see her just as really one of the mothers in the industry. Her heart is <laughs> so good towards others and championing women. And I love what she brings to this part of the world that we really need. Just a beautiful heart. So she's been around almost as, probably the same as... About 20, 25 years. been Mm -hmm. here and I've written with her way back and I've written with her recently. So we've had some really great conversations and have had a lot in common through the years. And I'm just so thankful to have her voice speaking into our community.
0: Do you have an experience with Jamie at all, Sharon?
2: No, no. I'm really excited to hear the conversation. I, yeah, I'm going to be just blessed by...
0: Listening as well. Yeah. So Jamie, yeah. I've, I've known Jamie. She was, I think, one of the or the first artist with Centricity <laughs>
3: Yes. Music. She
0: was. So oh, wow. back she was cent- why
3: Centricity started.
0: That's right. Yeah. She was oh, discovered wow. out mm-hmm. in the West Coast, right? I think out so. Out in Washington. Because that that's where right. Centricity's founders are from Washington State. They founded Centricity because they had a heart for worship and a heart for Christian music and Christian artists. As well, and songwriters. And That's awesome. they began hosting these retreats out in Washington State in this beautiful retreat. You've been there. And
3: really uh, great hearted people, I will <clears throat> say too. They are like top notch believers. They're just one of, grow the kingdom of God.
0: They aligned themselves with John Mays, who's also one of our OGs in our industry. John Mays and I worked together back when he was at uh, Benson or Provident Music Group back in the day, 20 20 years ago (laughs) or so. And it was right around that time that he left to start Centricity. And I remember having one of the initial conversations about, because I was doing international sales at the Uh time, about Go Global, my company, handling the distribution for Centricity and their first mm-hmm. artist was Jamie Jam Goshen. And wow. we we're just super, super impressed with her. She has a huge heart for ministry. And it was a great conversation that Nick had with her in the writing club. So every month we have a special guest, someone that has experience in in the industry, either as an artist or a songwriter or in the publishing side of things or on the record label side of things, just to bring some insight and wisdom, expert insights on this crazy thing that we do called worship songwriting and Mm. music. So great conversation.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, And uh, we wanted to play you the recording of that. So why don't we jump into that?
3: Yeah. I just want to add that, you know, these people that we're bringing in, these are people that we love and trust. And Jamie Jamgoshian is one of the good ones.
1: Jamie Jamgoshian, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you for having me, Nick
1: it's great to have you it's so you're always smiling i feel like every time i always see you you're always smiling
4: you know what's so funny about that i must have like grinded my teeth last night I'm in the middle of an album and the end of a tour so maybe i like have stress that i'm not aware of because all day my jaw is like killing so i'm like oh i'm not smiling as much today so thank you for saying that <laughs>
1: well, yeah no i but it's true though i mean the the four or five times we've been around each other i've I, you're always smiling and i feel like you always bring such a brightness.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, so, that's because of the hard roads I've walked. I think when you come on the other side, you just value life so much. And if it's a even a decent day health-wise, I'm like, yes. So I think there's beauty. There's beauty when we go through those hard things. It makes us love life even more.
1: Yeah, amen. Yeah. Are you. Am I correct in saying that you share some of Christy's story in that way? For those who have read Chrissy's book, they know Christy's had a long... Lyme disease journey. And you have that, a similar journey in that way.
4: Yeah. I didn't know that it was Lyme disease until about 2018. I had toured a lot. I was working full-time at a thriving church plant here in Nashville called The Belonging. And I just felt like, am I one of those people that like need a lot of extra sleep and a lot of extra something? And I just kind of hit rock bottom. And finally got to a clinic that did diagnose me properly with chronic Lyme disease, which had probably been going on for a long time. And so it had already invaded lots of different parts of the neurological system, different parts of my body, my immune system. So yeah, it was a big journey to kind of crawl out of that thanks to God for his healing and for leading me to proper treatment centers and doctors and IVs and different therapies. But yeah, that's a big part of my story because I didn't know if I'd do music again after that. Mm. And God brought back a beautiful new season um, with my last album and then touring again. And now this new album. So I'm amazed at him. I still have to be careful. Like I can tell when I'm pushing too much or, you know, definitely has changed me a little bit, but maybe for the better. I <laughs> have to slow down now.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, making you slow down. Well, gosh, I have so many questions splintering off of that. But first, what I always love to do at the very beginning is, you know, people always do the lightning round at the end. Yeah. Do it at the very beginning.
4: Oh, I love that.
1: I'm just going to fire <laughs> some it. questions at you. Answer yeah. from your gut. Don't get too nervous about it. Some people get really hung up on this. Okay. On these. All right, my first question for you. On a scale of one to ten, one being the worst day of your life, ten being the best day of your life, how are you feeling today? Six. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you were on an island, a desert island.
4: Oh, I would love to go run away to an island. I joke about that all the time.
1: <laughs> to just an island by okay. yourself. But yeah. you could take the catalogs of three songwriters with you. What three writers?
4: Okay, so I'm not taking the writers. I'm taking their songs.
1: Taking their songs. But it's not necessarily an artist. It's just a songwriter. So you can take the catalog of any three songwriters. I think I'm ready. Go for it. This one, a lot of musicians get hung up on this. No. I
4: I think I'm ready. Okay. Okay. And it's going to be funny because some of these people have only written a few big songs, but they're so impactful to me. Uh I can't imagine being... Alone on an Island without these songs. Mm. So that's where I'm, that's where my head is. Chris Tomlin, Mm -hmm. Darlene check. Yeah. And one of my favorite writers in town. I mean, I just think everything he writes is, it just speaks to my heart so deeply is Benji coward. And even some of the songs we've written, I feel like have they've not like maybe gone, like where other songs he writes goes, you know, in terms of influence or but um, they're the most meaningful. And I always feel like he is tapped into like where we're at in the in the culture, like what's going on in the atmosphere and where we're at as a society yeah. and where we're at. Like, I just feel like, you know, some people have that prophetic sense about them. I feel like when I'm in a writing room with him, he'll even say things that I'm like, wow, I've been going through that. Or, and then, it, or then that season happens. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. how do you know? So those are three of my favorite writers and some of them have songs that like people wouldn't know, but they're just my favorites tucked on albums or tucked on compilations or, but yeah, I, I think those three are real prolific writers.
1: Boy, shout out to Benji. He was actually just, I think this week or last week, his, the podcast from our conference just dropped that Benji was on and what a sharpshooter that guy is. Yeah. A writer. Yeah. He's like, He, I feel like recently, I knew about a few of his big hits, but I went up and looked up Benji's catalog and I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, he's just a workhorse.
4: I think even lyrically, melodies come really easy to me. So I'm drawn to people that like lyrically are, he just can take a phrase and find a way to say it where to me, it hits my heart so much more than the way that my brain might process that. Same phrase.
1: Yeah, that's he's unique in that way. And I feel like he's also he can genre bend really well. He can go a lot of different directions. Yeah. And he's just he's great. OK, I'm going to do one more lightning round. That question.
4: was a great question.
1: It's fun. I it, it helps me tap. And I know, you know what I so I know you're super spiritual. You just gave us a really spiritual answer.
4: <laughs> you
1: know, some people are like James Taylor or like you know, Beatles or whatever. Oh,
4: I can give you my secular people.
1: Okay, let's go. Let's go with the three secular. Who's that? This
4: is going to so date me. I'm like about to date myself. Go for it. Debbie Gibson.
1: Oh, yeah.
4: I get lost in your eyes. I mean, come on. Classic. I wanted to be her. I thought her songs were so potent. I mean, I know she's not like the best writer, but that song touched my life in such a big way. I was in a Berkeley class with Livingston Taylor. So James Taylor's brother. He was one of my songwriter teachers. And I feel like he does not get as much credit as James Taylor because, of course, James Taylor's career has been massive. Livingston Taylor's lyrics are some of the best lyrics I've ever read, you know, heard in a song. So I would say Livingston Taylor for lyrics alone. And third, Coldplay.
1: Oh, let's go. Yeah. I'm a
4: big closet Coldplay fan. I have to be careful because sometimes in our genre... People get a little weird about mainstream music. I think it's getting a lot better than it was 20 years ago when I first started this whole thing. But um, I love Coldplay. All their songs hit my heart.
1: They're amazing. Well, they just have such a huge catalog. They've been around so long. But they're pretty wholesome. I think Coldplay, I feel like, is safe. Every worship pastor I ever meet, their favorite band is Coldplay. Oh, really?
4: Okay, this makes me feel better. I didn't know that.
1: Oh, yeah. It's I I'm think there's a
4: little bit more with it. Like if you watch my stories or my reels on Instagram, I like put a song up. And it's funny though, I'll get some backlash sometimes, but
1: I bet you do. Well, this is funny. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, lightning round over. I wanted to ask this question. So I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday who's an artist, and they get lots of DMs and stuff. You have to inevitably, I mean, I used to be in the ministry, and all of us, you know, are in churches and in church a lot. And of course, when you're in church, And especially if you're on a platform, you have to be careful with this. Do you find that there's a tension sometimes because you never know what your audience, like what their little weird hang up is. Like they want you to wear a certain kind of clothing or they, you know what I mean? Some people drink wine. Some people don't drink wine. Some people listen to mainstream music. Some don't. And so like, how have you balanced that? Because you've had a long career in you know, doing ministry and music now. That's an interesting little facet to me.
4: It's a big question. I've changed so much over the years. When I first came to know the Lord, it was in 1999. And that's what brought me from Boston to Seattle. And the church I was at was great, but it was during that holiness movement. And I would say even some revival back in the day. I mean, I remember the altars every Sunday filled with people giving their heart to Jesus. I was part of this youth group called Generation Church. We met every Wednesday night at the church I was part of hundreds of kids like running to the altar throwing their cigarettes and drugs and just getting right with jesus like you know saying they're gonna start fresh and surrender all so it was during that time where i can remember like we weren't allowed to wear jeans on the platform it was pretty strict and this wasn't like uh i know there's certain denominations that like you have to wear skirts like this was just a non-denominational so i came from that kind of Background, And I've seen, thank God, how that's relaxed so much. And I, it's not biblical. I mean, Jesus doesn't care what we wear. I do think he wants us to be appropriate. And especially if we have a platform in ministry, we want to do everything to just help people connect with God, right? So I always just think, is what I'm saying, is what I'm wearing, is what I'm doing, my actions, is anything I'm doing going to bring attention to me? Because if so, then that's kind of not the purpose of being a Christian music minister, right? Go in another genre if you want to perform. Yeah. yeah. Or even with like the dress stuff as a female, like, let's be honest, like for men, like you're, you're you guys are visual and I get it. That's how God made you, you know? And so are we dressing in a way that's going to like distract or just help that person enter into worship? So I do think of those things. I like though that like in the churches I've been a part of in the last, 15 years it's a lot more relaxed and you know we we don't think twice wearing jeans or skinny jeans or you know back in the day that might have been like oh my gosh you know and i even had a whole ministry when i first got started for teen girls called modest is hottest because i don't even know if you know this part of my story
1: wait 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 this was the name of the ministry
4: it was an event i did all over the world guam japan norway you name it Guatemala.
1: Wait, 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 let's skip over this. (laughs)
4: This
1: Did you coin the term modest is hottest?
4: Yeah. sold thousands and thousands of (laughs) t-shirts. What? People laugh and I'm like, well, it helped me buy my first condo. But honestly, I loved, this is what happened when I got saved. I was first in my family. I was 21, brand new Christian, didn't do everything right. Lived the typical high school, college, American girl life. And I wouldn't say I dressed like crazy immodestly modestly and I didn't live like a crazy life, but wasn't following the ways of God in those areas of purity and modesty. And I was so grieved when I got into the church that nobody was talking about it. Like when I first got saved back in 1999, 2000, like it was this taboo thing to talk about different issues. So I'm like, I want to talk to the young girls about how beautiful they are and where their identity li- lies and why why we wait? Like, why does the Bible say to stay pure before marriage? And instead of making it this taboo thing, weird thing. And so I started doing these events, these purity events. And then I needed a t-shirt because, you know, it's ha- half of how you make your income and, you know, rightfully so is merchandise. And so I'd have my CD and my Modest is Hottest t-shirt. So then we named the conference Modest is Hottest. And we had like a little segment about Clothing and modesty. I've always loved fashion and clothes and dress, you know, kind of trendy. But like, how do we keep the trends in a modest way? Because, you know, we've gone through a lot of different trends in life where different things were cute, but maybe not appropriate back in the day. So, yeah. So that's my past. I don't do that anymore. I did that from about 25 to 32. And then I'm like, okay, I'm passing this baton off. T- I, I just kind of grew out of it. And I honestly, by that time, that message to me had changed. It was more about your heart than even your your what you were wearing and so. stuff. Sure. Yeah. I, I haven't do. talked about that in years.
1: I feel like my but, brain just exploded. We say the term modest is hottest all the time at my house.
4: Mm. Like, we use that, phrase that
1: all the time. I didn't know that we should be paying you royalties on that. Yeah. Uh-huh.
4: Right. But somebody, I won't use his name, an artist recently put out a song and he he's big Christian artist and he used that term and I was like,
1: Okay. <laughs> become, no, that's really, it really is like a household term. I feel like in Christian yeah. evangelicalism anyway. Yeah.
4: So back in 1999, I started that. <laughs> that's amazing.
1: Well, let's, okay, let's zap back there though for a second. Because yeah. I want to ask you about your story and you yeah. came, I'd heard that somewhere you'd shared before that you got saved in college age. And then pretty quickly within that, you were doing some music, but you, like you signed with um, our f- friend, John Mays at some <laughs> point. Yeah. That, how did that all play out? And I'm curious about that part of the story.
4: Yeah. So I was um, studying jazz piano, pop music at Berkeley College of Music in Boston, not Berkeley, California. Everyone's like, "Oh, you went to Berkeley." I'm like, Berkeley College of Music, different. Loving that. I was singing in cruise lines bars. You know, my funny Valentine. Just all of that, and came to know the Lord. Had a radical salvation experience through a classmate who is still a dear friend and she just had the love and the light of Jesus shining from her. And I was so drawn to her and I knew it was the God within her. And she gave me my first Bible. She introduced me to Darlene Check, shout to the Lord, my first introduction to Christian music. And I can remember when I heard that music, something in my spirit left and it just so deeply spoke to me not even as as a human, but even as a musician. I was like, mm. I think I was made to do this. I wasn't even a believer yet. <laughs> Just the sound, the sonic, where it was at sonically at the time, the voices at the time were very similar to my voice. So I started listening to these songs. You know, we're talking like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, like back in the day, shout to the Lord, the classics, you know, you are my strength when I am weak. All those, oh, I love them. All those old goodies and slowly, but surely the things that she was sharing with me about the Lord, it just took root in my heart. And I ended up giving my heart to Jesus towards the end of my senior year. I had been asked to be the singer at the commencement graduation ceremony where we walk. And I can remember everyone was used to me either singing a jazz song or like a hopeless, depressive love song that I had written pop song. And here I am in front of like thousands because everybody's parents are there. It's like commencement. Carly Simon was our. Guest, what do you call that? Like the guest speaker at the the graduation for college. And I get behind the grand piano and it was the first time I had ever sung a Christian song. It was like the first Christian song I had written. I can't even tell you it now, but I remember it was about wanting to know Jesus and wanting to see him one day in heaven. So I thought it was beautiful. My parents were like, is she depressed? Like, is she okay? Is she wanting to go to heaven? (laughs) You know? But they didn't know that I had had this encounter with the Lord that led me to Seattle from Boston to Seattle because I knew such few Christians and I knew one of the girls there was in this Bible school and they had a worship track. And I'm like, I think that's what I was created to do. So I moved from Boston to Seattle, get involved in this church. It was a big church at the time, did their Bible school for two years, kind of like an internship. And, um, they were like, you're the Berkeley grad, you play piano. Can you sing? Can you, I'm like, I know, shout to the Lord, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I'm literally up there. So it was just kind of very organic. And then, yeah, the, the owners of Centricity, Centricity kind of became, and I got signed there when I was 25 their first artist, and uh, they're just the most lovely people. And then they've built their team up, and now everybody knows Centricity because of the fabulous Lauren Daigle and bands like Unspoken and all their other bands. So that brought me to Nashville at about age twenty-seven, and more into Christian music. Then, since then,
1: so you're Did the first question. Totally, I was just curious about some of that story and how it all together. You were the very first artist on Centricity. Isn't
4: that owners would hear me lead worship at church.
1: I see because that's right, because there's a Seattle or a a Washington connection. Yeah, it
4: was it was based in Washington before John Mays. I begged them. I'm like, I know this guy in Nashville. He's supposed to be amazing. He's a freelance AR. His name's John Mays. And they connected. And yeah.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. Well, for those of you who don't know, ladies on the call with us or, or those listening, John Mays is, is is basically the legend now of yes. Christian A&R. He's yes. discovered Lauren Daigle and gosh, who else? Nicole Norderman.
4: Mm-hmm. Katie Ray. Nicole. Like,
1: Katie Nicole. Like there's so many that he's, um. But he's also like the sweetest man in the world too. So that's curious. So he was, he must've been, he was at EMI, you know, capital stuff back then. So he must've been rolling off of that.
4: He had just got letting go. You know the music industry; it's like everybody works everywhere, business wise. I've learned this now. I'm like, oh, so and so is at WordNet. Oh, so and so is at Provident. Like they're yeah. always. And he had just gotten let go of somewhere, and he was doing freelance consulting. So mm-hmm. we were able to partner with him, and Centricity became Centricity, and yeah,
1: that's amazing. So you do like the whole radio thing, release a record with them, and all that. And this is this is funny because like and this is something i want to ask you about too you've seen a lot of shift in the music industry in the last 25-ish years now like then back at that time and christian radio wasn't then what it is now but that was already a thing like dc talk had happened and yes. and stephen curtis and michael w so this was starting to be a thing so you is that what you did like the radio single and the album and all that
4: yeah. So when, by the time I was like twenty-seven and we put out my first album and my first radio single, and Centricity became like a legit record, Christian record label. That was when there, you know, the fish, K Loves, those were all Way FM, those were all very popular Christian radio stations. Each town would have their own kind of mom and pops. Now a lot of them have been bought out, you know, by K Loves. But so we, yeah, we serviced my first single, actually Here My Worship went number one at radio for 12 weeks. So that we did like the radio tour. It was a worship song, which was cool because then a lot of churches with CCLI began singing it. So it was charting on CCLI. So like around the world, a lot of churches were singing. it. So it was a beautiful gift from God to start that way because my heart was really in remains to always have been ministry. And when I say that, I mean like in front of a crowd, either leading worship or speaking or sharing a song from the heart. And what I've found now, a lot of people don't even tour. It's more, you put a song on Spotify and you hope it does well. If that one doesn't go well, you put another song up on your digital DSPs and you hope it goes well. Radio is great if you have a label. I'll say it's very hard as an independent artist. We've had a little success on a few singles, but it's a lot harder to get great radio unless you have one of the major labels behind you. There's a few and far betweens that break through, but as an indie artist, it's really hard to get radio. So yeah, we did the radio. We did the... I mean, I toured with Point of Grace. I toured Mark Schultz. I toured Big Daddy Weave, did a lot of touring, and then really found my niche with these girls' events and then women's events. So that has been my the bulk of what I've done the last 15 years.
1: That's amazing. And you've kind of done it ever since you've continued that. Yeah,
4: the worship has always been my heart, even like, it's so funny because I'm work- working on a new album right now and we've got two songs that are definitely classic, put the lyrics up, put your hands up, corporate worship. But for whatever reason, the songs that just come naturally out of my heart are more the inspirational CCM-ish. I've always been more of an inspirational artist than even like, ac Love ccm i just tend to write more that way so finally at this age i've like embraced it i'm like i'm an inspirational person i'm an inspirational artist god i'm just going to be who you call me to be and not fight yeah. it anymore but yeah so that i i have a heart for the local church i've worked at several local churches either as a worship leader or like a new christian's pastor so i love i love doing things with the local church and still oh like be brought in as a consultant for worship and that kind of thing
1: that's amazing yeah so what's been some of your biggest observations i wonder as you navigate because this is a really interesting space from 1999 to 2023 because you had i mean it went from cds to like illegal streaming with napster and all that and then you had itunes for a while that was kind of the big thing and then pretty quickly spotify and streaming really took over I'm curious, like, and then, and that's just on the album sales side of things. There's uh, touring and all these social media has changed the game so much for artists. I'm curious what your takeaways are and like how you've had to adapt because you're still going strong. You're still in the game.
4: Trying. Always,
1: <laughs> what's that?
4: I'm trying. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, what's what's been that like adaptation in the journey been like in that way?
4: So when I started, and I hope you ladies remember this, MySpace. Anybody remember MySpace? Yeah. So I had the MySpace account. I can remember the label at the time we grew that thing. I mean, it was like, it was an impressive MySpace, you know? And I'll never forget when they were like, oh, now it's Facebook. I'm like, but we've just grown MySpace. So now let's shift everything to Facebook. Now let's shift everything to Twitter. Now let's shift everything to Instagram. So I'm like, oh, but um, yeah, I would say with your remark, with like I started with CDs. I can remember when that first album came out in 2006. It was called Reason to Live, and we did every bookstore, every Lifeway, every Family Christian bookstore, every Mardel. That was your marketing. You went to those bookstores. Women, men would come. I'd sign the CD. Would do CD release concerts. You would send in forms. We don't. I don't do this anymore. We would send in forms of how many albums we sold after each event, and that's how they would tally up. Do you have a gold record? Do you have a platinum record? From these forms, and I, I it always bothered me because I'm like, you know, people are lying on those forms, even in the Christian music industry, and that really bothered me. But um,
1: if someone took the CD and they put it back, count it.
4: <laughs> totally, totally so it started there and I mean to this day I still have my physical CD at my events because my market my demographic I should say is women now I'd say from about 35 to 70 <laughs> the older women love me for some reason so they still want that CD I mean I'm on a women's tour right now called aspire and they still come up. Oh, I'm so glad you have a CD. I still have my CD player. And I'm like, I'm so glad you want to buy it. You know?
2: Yeah. Um,
4: yeah. We went from that model to, like you said, to iTunes. And I can remember that would have been my third Centricity Records album. We were up to iTunes, maybe 2010. Does that sound right? iTunes around there? 2012?
1: Yeah. Spotify, I know it was 14. And so that would be okay. right.
4: Sound right. And that was a whole learning curve of, okay, so now people are going to iTunes and we're not selling as many actual CDs. And then the whole Spotify, Amazon Music, I'm still trying to figure that out. My Spotify is embarrassing. I I grieve when a, like, a young kid next to me on the plane finds out I'm a singer. He's like, oh, let me find you on Spotify. I'm like, oh, it's so unimpressive. But I used to really do music back in the day, you know, when we had CDs. Um, But now, like, you know, it's all these digital streams and, you know, digital marketing and digital this, digital that. I'm trying to learn and catch up. Thank God I have a beautiful new team around me that's going to try to help with that. We'll see. I don't know if it will help it grow or not, but I've seen it all. And this is what I'll go back to. If God has called you to ministry... We are Christian musicians. I think that's the crowd that you're you're working with here with Write Songs. There will always be room and space for that because the church always needs to sing. The church always needs a worship song. And if that's your heart, there's always going to be an avenue to minister. The CD sales, the radio, the streaming, whoever knows what's going to come after Instagram. Well, it's TikTok, but I refuse to do it. TikTok, who, who knows what's going to come after TikTok. That stuff is going to come and go, but your gift that God's placed in you to the world, that's going to remain. And people are always in need of hope. People are always in need of Jesus. That's why we do this, right? So that kind of anchors me on, okay, are there still songs in my heart? Yes. And are there still people that need hope in the gospel and Jesus? Yes. So I have seen the Lord keep me alive in music ministry, I think, because that has remained my focus where i've seen a lot of artists friends peers come and man they popped they hit they had all the number ones all the gold records but things kind of whether life family you know it's it shifted a little and i think you have to really know with christian music worship music why you're called and why you're doing it um because to me it's different it's a different genre than just being a pop singer or a jazz singer or a country singer that you're in it for different reasons, if that makes sense.
1: Boy, that's so good. Jamie, I feel like this is like a, um, like you should teach this class for like all aspiring CCM artists, you know. want to help
4: get that off the ground? I'd love to. <laughs>
1: you no, know, I mean, I feel like everyone should, that, you know, wants to do artistry should listen to this. I think because um, what you're talking about, I feel like, so I think of like a country artist or a pop artist or whatever, a rock and roll band. You don't really have to live anything you're singing; it can be totally a story and even a persona. Whereas that really doesn't fly in Christian music. You really do need to live it and to carry any amount of authority, you know, much less really have like uh, ministry with the Holy Spirit's working and moving, and especially sustainably. There has to be that that um, you know it has to go hand in hand that you're walking out what you're singing about, and that's just hard.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was so much easier just to put on the sexy outfit and show up to the cruise line and sing jazz standards. I didn't even have to think about it. Once I became a believer and felt a call to minister in music, it's, am I living what I'm singing? Am I, is everything lining up? Is there, is my heart in the right place? Is my motives right? All of that is so different to me than pre-Jesus music.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah boy um, okay well let me let's do this then um, here, this can be this will be your teaser for your um, college level course you're going to teach to CCM artists what would you say okay let's take and you and I I'm sure know several of them these young 20 something artists who are just getting off the ground doing their first record or EP or whatever first radio single what would you say to them in 2023 like what's your pep talk To anyone who's doing that.
4: Know your why. Why are you doing it? Why do you feel called to Christian music? To worship ministry? And maybe some might be honest and say they want to be famous. Or they just want to sing and perform. Okay, well, like just know why you're doing what you're doing. And then I would say really stay grounded. And by that, I would say your local church. Who's speaking into your life? Do you have people, because things are going to grow fast, especially if radio does come on board, touring does come on board, who is speaking into you, keeping you grounded, keeping you level-headed? I always say, you know, you want someone above you and you want to then be hopefully speaking into people that maybe are a little bit behind you spiritually. So it's this beautiful picture of the gospel, right? You're being discipled and you're discipling somebody else. And I think that keeps you really grounded as well. I love that my friends, my whole life, like have always just, whether there's a great song on the radio of mine, or I'm just sitting at urban market, having a coffee, they love me and know me the same. They know my strengths. They know my weaknesses. I love that. And so I think having that support system and making sure that's intact, especially for these young ones that just get signed and like things do move fast. I worry for them a little bit because then all of a sudden... They're on a bus with ten others and probably nine of them are men and what if one comes from a broken family and they're drawn to you know there's just so many scenarios that that do happen unfortunately, thank God, you know it's not publicized, but things happen, and I want to make sure we're we're protecting um protecting that um I would say to really know who you are and what you want to do. Like if you get signed to a label, they're going to want to have you sound a certain way and look a certain way. And thank God, centricity was a wonderful experience, but I know some that aren't great experiences with that. So stay true to who you are and um, keep your face in the book, keep your face in the word of God, because right now there's a lot of truth being spun around, know what you believe and stand on that um i think that's really crucial for a lot of these younger artists as well like there's there's a mantle that comes with what you do right like you got to know being the word like i i sometimes laugh at myself like what was i even saying on stage at 25 26 like i hadn't mm-hmm. had many trials in life yet it was probably really fluffy honestly like really fluffy i'm grateful now that you know 20 five years with the Lord, that there's some depth. So I would encourage those girls, the younger ones to like dig into wherever they're at. And, you know, so there's something to really say and minister out of.
1: Yeah. Amen. That's a, that's a great point though. The, just the word. And it's so, it feels so overly basic to say, but in this day and age, it feels so important to repeat. And we go to the same church. It, it they repeated a lot there and it's such a good reminder of like you you go without the word for a while you can get really wacky real quick you know and and then and then where am i ministering out of like it could it could be weird but the word is always the word and it's always like it never comes back void and so boy that's a great okay i'm gonna flip that question then how what would you say so we have um uh, a good a good chunk of our folks, even in writing worship, um we have a lot of women because of Chrissy's ministry with Brave for so many years. Um, and then we also have the spectrum of um, age in our within writing worship, you know, from twenty somethings all the way up. And so, like, what do you say to folks who they're sitting in a similar spot to you, where they've been around a long time, maybe been ministering and writing, and just um, especially to songwriters because that's kind of our core audience and who we are in writing club um what's your like pep talk to those folks and you know how to keep mm-hmm. going and pressing
4: in i have this anr guy that he's now anr he used to be my uh distributor for word dusty wells i don't know if you know dusty huh. so he worked at word for years in their distribution and now he's over at daywind and he oh, he's encouraged my heart so much as a writer he'll, he'll always say it's the heart songs. It's the heart songs that people need. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a writer, if I were to encourage other writers, it's not to look at what's popular. It's not to look at the trend or the sound, the current sound, but to write those songs from the heart and to very similarly, like to be digging in, like, are you in the word? Are you in prayer? Are you pouring out to people and have people pouring into you to stay grounded so that things don't get a little weird or off or fluffy or whatever? Um, I would encourage in that way. And then like the practical things would be what fills you up so that your cup overflows with your writing. Like for me, it's hiking or walking or being out in nature or just getting out of my normal environment that kind of, I love the ocean, that kind of creates the creative juices to go a little bit more like taking time to do that as a writer, I think is really important. Um, John Mays used to always tell me, read, read, read books, books, books. And I love to read. I read quite a bit actually, but uh, in terms of songwriting and creativity, what helps me the most is being out in nature outside, just kind of gets those juices, you know, an idea might come, a melody might come. Also, I'm a big fan of co-writing, which, you know, we do a ton here in Nashville. And I think there's something about coming together, like what Chrissy's done so beautifully with her Brave Girls, coming together, that iron sharpening iron. I'm weaker at lyrics, so I love to pull in a, a stronger lyricist and better at the melodies. You know, finding those people that you really compliment and gel with, um, I think that makes us a stronger writer as well.
1: That's so good. And it also springboards me into what my next question was going to be, which is that you do a ton of co-writing and have done so much over the years. And, um, I'm curious, what are your like co-writing etiquette tips that you've picked up where you feel like you've gotten to observe so many writers, um, and do's and don'ts and things. What are your best tips for, for fellow, for other people who are, are co-writing and how to be a great co-writer in the room?
4: I can't remember who taught this years ago. I was actually at a Centricity Writers Retreat. And I didn't even know about co-writing until I moved to Nashville and then signed my deal. And John Mays was like, great. We're going to get you in the room three or four times a week with other songwriters. I'm like, what? I'm not just going to write my songs and record them. Uh-uh. <laughs> You're going to get with more seasoned writers, producers. That's just kind of what we do. And I'm like, wonderful. My first co-write, I was sweating. I was anxious. I was with this strange man who was like twice my age. He was on a guitar. I was behind the keyboard. I'm like, this is the most awkward first writing date ever. Like, that's what it felt like, you know, just like an awkward date. He was married. There was nothing inappropriate like that. But you really have to learn how to co-write, you know, and the art. Like, I love what you said, the etiquette, the art of it. So back to something I learned at that centricity retreat usually in a writing room, say you have three people, you're going to have three different types of animals. And this is how they described it. You have the wolf, you have the lion, you have the little lamb. Well, beginning, I was the little lamb. I would sit there. I think I have an idea. What if we play this court? You know, And I would barely talk or what if we say this? Like little lamb, you know, then there were the wolves that just went in, this is how it needs to be. We're going for it. Kind of like dominating. And the lion would be the one that kind of roars. And so like figuring out in the room and you can do the, whatever animal you want within the room, what's everybody's personality, what's everybody's strength. I've really grown now to say what I want, you know, whether it's good or bad, like I don't care anymore. I'm not going to be the little lamb in the room. I'm going to like really (laughs) speak out what I feel needs to be done on the song. But I think etiquette wise, it's just. Listening to each other's ideas, it's, you know, I love when we're just like, throw it out, even if it's terrible and you're comfortable and you can laugh at each other. You know, I I love being in those rooms where it's like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Or um, knowing what each other's strengths are. You know, there's times where I might think I have a great lyric and then Benji says it a million times better. I'm not going to get offended or all ruffled, you know, whatever the saying is knowing that that lyric is better. Like we got to, let's go with that lyric, you know? Um, Knowing when to be okay with not writing a lot on a song. There's just some days where other people are gonna seem to take over more. Days where maybe I am taking more of the lead and it's just flowing out more naturally. Um, I think that's some good writing etiquette. Um Being okay as an artist now, an artist writer, I've had to learn over these 20 years if we're going in a direction and I'm like, I don't feel this finally speaking up and saying, you know what guys, I don't think I'll ever sing this. I don't think I'll ever do this. Can we change direction? That took a long time, Nick, to like, finally be okay with that. Um, Maybe the people pleaser thing had a a break off me, but um, yeah, I would say just etiquette-wise being confident in who you are but not like overpowering the right does that make sense
1: so good yeah the confidence and humility piece kind of together we were just talking about the same thing i was with i'm sure Na- natalie lane you know natalie oh
4: she's amazing
1: she's the sweetest and she's amazing our our writing club they they know her she's been around um and we were talking about this exact same thing where sometimes you'll get two hours or even later in a right and the artist is like, I don't know if I'm feeling this. I'm like, where was that two hours ago? <laughs> like, We've been working on this idea and giving the whole day to this thing. So like that early on, as early as you can, establishing here's the direction we're going. And we're all kind of on, on the same, you know, ship going in the same direction. It seems so helpful. Um, and then, you know, what kind of lyrics or what kind of melodies to throw at it and and the ones not to and what to say no to mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, Well, Jamie, uh, this has been so good. Um, I wonder, I always end um, by asking, would you be willing to pray over those that are listening, um, both uh, here with us today, but also listening back on the podcast, just songwriters and artists and creative people in God's kingdom, and just praying over them for a minute as we
4: close. Absolutely. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you for this group um, of songwriters, of artists, of ministers, worship leaders, probably poem writers, lyric writers. Lord, you know exactly where each one is at in their walk with you, but also um, on their journey of writing music. And I just pray today has been encouragement wherever they are at, That they would keep going, that they would first and foremost just know, is this what God has asked me to do? And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Because at the end of the day, Lord, we're not going to get to heaven and you're going to be like, oh, you didn't write a number one hit. You're just going to ask if we stewarded what you put in our lives well, the gifts, the callings. um, That's all that matters, God. And we want to do it with excellence. Yes, we want to do it with joy. But we also want to serve others along the way. And not just make it about us and our thing or whatever we do. God, help us to help us as writers and artists to always be looking outward at what's going on around us, whether that be in a co write, whether that be in a recording session, um, that we are others focused as much as we are on our craft and on what we feel you've called us to do. Um, I pray more creativity, I pray more um, Holy Spirit inspiration. Over each one of these songwriters, Lord. I pray that you would show them next steps as they're continuing on their God ordained journey, God, that you would just make things clear. And I always say, God, if you're in it, you're going to make a way. So I pray that over um, anybody listening today. I, I can remember the dream in my heart was to record. Um, music. And once I met you, Lord, I wanted to do it for you. And when you called me to Seattle, I thought, well, I guess that dream's never going to happen. And I never thought it would be there at that church that the doors would open. So I just feel to encourage someone listening that God can make a way and open a door no matter where you're at. As long as you just stay faithful and tethered to him, he can move that mind. He can open that door for you. Lord, we thank you that it's obedience that you're after. It's surrender that you're after. So I just pray that you would keep all of our hearts, including mine, deeply surrendered to you, Lord, that we would be more concerned about what you think and saying yes to you than anything else that this music career or this industry has to offer us. I bless them, God. I bless their health. I bless their families. I bless their finances. I bless their walks with you. I bless their relationships that uh, today would just feel like a sweet, refreshing over their lives, and they would walk away filled up with hope and joy in you, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for us. If you're a songwriter and you're resonating with any of what you heard today, we'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to some folks in our community. All of our podcast interviews and guest lectures come from either our Writing Club monthly breakouts or our annual Writing Worship conference. Check out the show notes to learn how to get more involved with Writing Club, our mentorship taught by our founder, Chrissy Nordoff, or stuff we talked about in today's episode. Find us on Facebook at the Writing Worship Community, on Instagram at writingworship.co, and our website, writingworship.co. We love meeting new folks and supporting songwriters. So be sure to stop in, say hello, and get to know us a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
5: The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our worship songwriter mentorship. Now it's available only a few times each year. The worship songwriter mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, uh, drumroll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community and it's led by other songwriters over the course of 9 weeks. It's an intensive course in a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus, You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas okay i know it sounds too good to be true but trust me this course is a game changer you'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way truly i can't think of another course group of people community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.